You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. You're listening to the audio version of a blog located at cornfieldtheology.com. Cornfield Theology is a ministry of Redemption Hill Church, Redemption Hill is located in the Des Moines Metro. You can also check them out on the web at redemptionhilldsm.org. Title, Anthropology 401. Every month in 2022, I'll be writing a blog post about anthropology, humanity, and sexuality. This series of blog posts will foster discussion, in particular at Redemption Hill Church, and drive the reader back to Holy Scripture to learn about God's grand design for men and women. I pray that these blog posts will offer greater clarity about God's design for men and women. Uh, Furthermore, I also pray that learning about God's design for men and women will result in worship. This blog post builds off three other blog posts entitled, and this is not original, Anthropology 101, Anthropology 201, and Anthropology 301. Created first. Someday, someday, I will address what Paul is saying about head coverings in 1 Corinthians 11. Perhaps I will end up wrinkling a few feathers, nothing new. I'll wrinkle a few feathers with that blog post. But until then, it is worth noting the logic of Paul's argument for women to wear head coverings. We read in Holy Scripture, and I quote, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Here's the breakdown of the logic. The head, kephale, of man is Christ. The head, same word, kephale, of the wife is her husband. The head, you guessed it, same word, kephale, of Christ is God. When you lay out the logic in bullet points, it's easy to see Paul's argument. As a side note, some egalitarians take head to be something like cornerstone. This interpretation of head completely misses the point and does the text disservice. Continuing on, moreover, what is the basis that the husband is the head of his wife? The answer has to do with order and the order of creation. It says in 1 Timothy 2.13, the following, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. The rationale for Paul's statement will be picked up later in later blogs. For this blog, I want to begin to tease out the dynamic of our first parents. The dynamic begins with an order. I have written in general about the importance of order to God. You can find that blog post here at cornfieldtheology.com. There are other theological and practical reasons why Adam, man, was formed before Eve, woman. In relation to Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. Again, Adam is called the first man, implying Eve was created second. So why does order matter? In Genesis 2-7, we read that God created Adam from the dust. 
The narrative of Genesis 2 continues to say that God cultivates the garden for Adam. Two important trees and trees that provide food were placed in the garden, Genesis 2.8. In verse 15, God gives Adam a command. It is an essential command because God makes a covenant with Adam with the command. Here's the covenant. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. Adam can choose to eat anything in the garden except from one tree. Just one. You should note, that the command given by God is conditional. So if you do this, then this will happen to you. In covenant theology, God's conditional covenant with Adam is called the covenant of works. But notice who was not created, at least not yet, Eve. Is this a design flaw on the part of God? Or is God's design coming to fruition with reason and purpose? Indeed, There is no design flaw, but God is working his plan to perfection. The second important aspect of Adam before the creation of Eve is the responsibility laid upon him. Adam is to name all the animals. This responsibility might appear silly, but notice what is going on. God is granting Adam authority. God could have taken on the responsibility for himself, The part of the narrative could have been not mentioned at all, right? God could have deferred his responsibility until after Eve's creation. But none of this is the case. The order of creation is connected to responsibilities. Eve will have responsibilities, but there is a precedence in Adam's role in life. The precedence has nothing to do with equality, but distinction because of function. The first half of Genesis 2 is pivotal to anthropology. God created Adam before Eve. Furthermore, before Eve was created, God was doling out responsibilities to Adam. The assigning of names by Adam is a display of dominion over God's creation. God also entrusted Adam with the first earthly covenant. Adam is supposed to be responsible for upholding his end of the covenant. As we keep seeing, Adam is to ensure all humanity keeps God's covenant, but he failed. Help. Knowing the weight of responsibility for Adam, God creates a helper. God creates a helper from the same kind and likeness, yet distinct in so many ways, Genesis 2.18. Here's a description of Eve by K.A. Matthews. And I quote at length, The dignity of the woman is heightened by the monologue of God's creative contemplation. This stands in opposition to the creation of man and the animals, which are described in the third person. Particularly, the creation of woman gives rise to God's creation of animals in the garden as a pedagogical device for the man's observation. The woman is deemed by the divine mind, quote, a helper suitable for him, end quote. Suitable, like what is it in front of him, right, indicates a correspondence between the man and the woman. 
the focus is on the equality of the two in terms of their essential constitution. Man and woman share in their human sameness that cannot be found elsewhere in creation among the beasts. In every way, the woman shares in the same features of personhood as does the man. In Genesis 1, 26-28, this equality of the man and the woman as image bearers has priority over the differences in sexual roles, although both were crucial in realizing the intended blessing. All right, that was the whole quote by K.A. Matthews. We should know that God knows that the only helper fit for Adam is Eve, right? We read in verses 21 and 22 of Genesis 2, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, Adam, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that God, the Lord God had taken out of man, he had made into a woman and brought her to the man. Eve is the same as Adam in distinction from everything else God created. However, Eve and Adam are different, and in their differences, they can procreate, and they complement one another in marriage. A way that Eve complements Adam is that she helps him. If two biblical words are confused and mishandled more than any others, they might be helper and submission. For now, I want to discuss the term helper. Once again, here's Matthews. And I quote, The garden narrative moves beyond the initial assessment by specifying a functional difference that exists between the man and the woman. She is called Adam's helper, which defines the role that the woman will play. In what way will Eve become a helper to the man? The term help means, in a sense, to aid and support and is used of the Lord's aiding his people in the face of enemies. Now, the Hebrew word for helper is, well, helper. <laughs> the aim of Eve is to assist Adam in stewarding the garden. They share dominion, Genesis 1, 28, with Adam as the head of Eve. Not two, but one. It is taken for granted that Eve is bone of Adam's bone and flesh of his flesh, Genesis 2, 23. Eve's place in history, though, is monumental. She is Adam's wife and his helper. Adam is her husband and head. Genesis 2 ends with some of the most essential words in anthropology, especially as it's related to marriage. There is so much beauty in Adam and Eve's marriage. And I quote, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. I'll table Genesis 2, verse 25 for another day. When Adam, who has an X and a Y chromosome, comes together with Eve, who has two X chromosomes, they become one flesh. The New Testament calls the union a mystery. But wait, the math does not work. Yet here we are wondering... How does 1 plus 1 equal 1? Nevertheless, the mystery is not undiscoverable as you consider the purpose of Adam and Eve. After God created Eve, he displayed something more profound 
than the chromosomes of a man or woman. The creation of Adam and then Eve reveals a glorious mystery. Here's a summary of the key points that lead to the revealing of the mystery. Number one, God created with order. Number two, God created with purpose. And number three, God first created Adam with specific responsibilities. And number four, God knew that Adam needed a suitable helper. And number five, the creation of Eve is not a reaction to the deficiencies or to any deficiencies in Adam, but to highlight the beauty and mystery of marriage. How has the mystery of marriage been made known? The epistle to the Ephesians hits the proverbial nail on the head, and it's picking up on Genesis 2, 24 to 25. And I quote, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two, you heard it earlier, shall become one flesh. And the Apostle Paul continues, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. In summary, Genesis 2 advances the football down the field after Genesis 1 takes the kickoff and helps us to see the ontological purposes of God's design. Genesis 2 now shows us a distinction between Adam and Eve and man and woman more generally. The differences are grounded in order and Christ. These differences are to be celebrated, especially as they are united in the mystery of marriage. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.